Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Well, if you would turn in your Bibles to Jonah, Jonah chapter 1. We will be looking tonight at the reluctant prophet. Um, Jonah, it's a story that many of us heard growing up in uh, Sunday school. Um, Some have thought that maybe it was a a parable uh, because it was uh, too miraculous for anyone to really believe. I mean, how could a man really be swallowed by a fish? Um, but I believe that the really, really the only reason to deny the his, historicity of this account would be uh, a bias against the supernatural in the first place. We see uh, in Kings that uh, there was a Jonah, son of Amittai, um, that was mentioned, uh, who prophesied during the time of Jeroboam II. And then Jesus, uh, he talks about uh, Jonah, and whenever he, he references Jonah, he talks about him as if he's a real person, not just some story to teach a point. So as we look at Jonah, I do believe he was a historical per- person, and the things that uh, he was going through here were real events. Uh, Jonah is one of the minor prophets. The minor prophets are also known in the Hebrew tradition as the book of the twelve. The twelve shorter prophetical books that are all placed together. Many of those things deal with uh, the specific sins of of God's people against uh, oppression against the poor and things like that. Jonah here, um, he is a reluctant prophet. One of the differences between Jonah and the other minor prophets, the other minor prophets, we we read their writings about what they were saying to the different people that they were prophesying to. But here in the book of Jonah, we see mainly his story. And we don't really know what his message was. We see the story of God's calling him to go and tell the people of Nineveh a message and his resistance to that, and then how God broke through His resistance, that He went and the people repented, and then He pouted about it. So it's a unique book, and one of the the things that uh, we see in the book of Jonah is that God cares for those outside of Israel's borders. He cares for those that are not His people. And uh, so He sends Jonah to speak to these Ninevites who uh, were without God and without hope in the world. So let's read Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amity saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish 
from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God as they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us, on whose account is this evil has come upon us? What is your occupation, and where did you come from? And what is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you, that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us the innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you for your word. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, as your word came to Jonah... And he resisted it and ran the other direction. May it not do that with us. Lord, when we hear your word, may we go and do as you have said. Father, be with me. Lord, I am weak, but you are strong. I am sinful, and you are holy. And I need your strength, Lord, to preach your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Begins by saying that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. 
Jonah was a prophet. And uh, this was common among the prophetic writings to introduce a prophecy by saying that the word of the Lord came to this prophet or that prophet. So this is using a kind of a prophetic formula to say the word of the Lord. God spoke to Jonah. And then we see the content of what God said. He says, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come before me. So God tells Jonah to do three things. Arise, to go, and to cry out, to preach against Nineveh. Remember those three things. Where is he supposed to preach? To the Ninevites. The Nineveh was in Assyria. It is. Uh, it, it later became the capital of Assyria. Uh, the Assyrians at, at uh, in 721 came and they sacked uh, Israel, the northern kingdom. This was before that time. But these were these were dangerous, violent people. They were pagans, and they had a reputation for violence. While there's no historical continuity between the people of Nineveh then and who lives there now, just think about this. The, the city of Nineveh, the historical city of Nineveh, is where Mosul, Iraq is today. We think of, of Mosul, Iraq, and we think of ISIS. We think of people who chop off heads and make videos of it and then, and then present that for people to see so that we tremble and we are afraid. Well, Nineveh, the Assyrians were like that. Whenever they would uh, defeat their enemies, they would make an example of them and they would try to, to scare other people. They would impale bodies and set them out in the city so that people would see how mean they were. They had a reputation for violence. And Jonah, he, he hears this. God is telling him to go to these violent people. These enemies of God's people. What would Jonah do? What would we do if God was telling us, go to Mosul, Iraq, and preach to ISIS? What would we do? This is what Jonah did. This is probably what we would do. In verse 3, it says, But Jonah arose. What did God tell him to do? He said, Arise, go to Nineveh, and proclaim against it. So what does he do? He arises. First up, he does the right thing. And then he flees to Tarshish. Where's Tarshish? Well, Nineveh was to the east. Uh, Nineveh was to the east, and and, uh, where he was would have been there in the land of Israel. It would have been next to the Mediterranean Sea. He was getting on a boat at Joppa to go to Tarshish. He was boarding it into the Mediterranean Sea to go west, the opposite direction from Nineveh. We don't know exactly for sure where Tarshish was, but there's some linguistic similarities that some have suggested that Tarshish was at the tip of Spain. So Jonah, if, if those 
reconstructions are correct, Jonah was trying to run as far away from Nineveh as he possibly could. And it says that he wanted to flee the presence of the Lord. Literally in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew, I can't talk. In the Hebrew, it says he was fleeing from before the Lord. The idea, God up in heaven looking down on us and we are, everything we do is before the Lord. It's, it's in His sight. And Jonah wanted to run as far away from God as he possibly could so that he could get away from the piercing vision of God looking down on him. You can't run from God. Verse 4, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. It was no accident. It was no coincidence that when Jonah decided to run from God, that this great storm appeared. It was by God's design. It says the Lord was the one who caused the storm. The Lord was the one who it, He hurled it upon the sea. It's like he, he, he took the wind and the waves into His hands and He just flung it out over the sea. Hurled it out. It says it was a mighty tempest on the sea, and the ship threatened to break up. Uh, literally, that the idea is is it, it thought to break up. It, it was personifying the ship. the The ship was just as scared as the people on it, and it it thought that it was going to to break up into pieces. And then the mariners were afraid. And of course. These were pagan people. They were not Jews. They did what anyone would do. They began to cry out to different gods. They cried, each of one of them cried out to his God. And what did they do? They hurled the cargo. God hurled the wind upon the sea, and the, the mariners were hurling the cargo over the edge. They were praying to their gods and they were doing something about it. You know, uh, God, when, when, when God wants us to pray about something, uh, maybe we should follow the example of these pagan sailors. We, we, we pray fervently. We cry out to God and, and ask for His help. And then we do what we can do. They were lightening the load and they were throwing things overboard. Then Jonah. Where was Jonah in the midst of all this? He was asleep. He was down in the belly of the ship, asleep. You know, you would think Jonah knew what he was doing. He knew that he was running from God. You would think that his conscience would be bothering him. You would think that, that he knew that he had done something wrong and, and that Maybe it would trouble him and he wouldn't be able to sleep. But no, he was sleeping like a baby in the bottom of the ship. Sleeping away. The mariners, the ship captain, he came down and he found Jonah. And he's like, how can you sleep? How can you sleep at a time like this? 
the ship's about to break up and you're here sleeping. What? What? How can you do that? Jonah, get this too. When the ship captain comes down, remember what God told Jonah to do. He said, arise, go to Nineveh, and cry out against it. So the Jonah's asleep. Maybe he's in that half asleep, half awake moment. And the ship captain comes down, and Jonah hears in that half asleep stage, arise and cry out. And what is Jonah thinking? Those were the words that I heard God saying to me. Maybe he he was unaware that this was the ship captain and he heard it ringing in his ears. Arise and cry out. The ship captain was saying, Arise and call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. So the ship sailors, they, they get together and they decide we're going to cast lots. That was one way they would try to determine God's will back then. They would, they would throw uh, some pieces of wood or bone or something like that and try to read those to, to cast lots. Like throwing the dice. Trying to determine God's will by, by throwing the dice. God sometimes used that in the Old Testament. In fact, in uh, Proverbs, it says that God determines where the dice lands. It says the, the lot is cast in the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. The lot fell on Jonah. God was revealing to these mariners who it was, on whose account that, it, that they were experiencing this storm. So they asked Jonah, What have you done? Uh, what have you done? Who, where do you come from? What are your people? What's your occupation? And they, they've been asking you all kinds of questions. What could have caused this kind of storm? And Jonah answers, I'm a Hebrew. He's one of God's people. Yahweh, the God... Jonah says here, who made, he was the God of heaven who made the land and the sea. The people then in, in the ancient times, they, they thought of territorial deities where you know, there would be a, a God of the sea and a God of the land and a God of the heavens and a God of this city or that city. Nineveh would have had its own God. It would make more sense to try to run from a God whenever they're t- bound by territory. But Jonah tells them, no, I don't worship one of those territorial gods. I worship the God of heaven who made the land and the sea. And the mariners think, you're crazy, Jonah. You're crazy. How in the world could you be trying to run away from the presence of the Lord whenever He's the God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea? These mariners, these pagan sailors, they they have more wisdom than, than Jonah has. They became exceedingly afraid whenever they knew Jonah's God and what he was doing. 
They asked Jonah, what should we do? What should we do so that we can be rescued? What can we do so that we don't perish in this storm? And Jonah says, pick me up and hurl me into the water. There's a lot of hurling going on in this text. The Lord hurled the storm onto the sea. The mariners were hurling the cargo into the water. Jonah says, hurl me in. Hurl me in to the water. Well, the sailors, they had even more compassion than Jonah did. They didn't want to see Jonah die. They didn't want his blood to be on their hands. So what do they do when Jonah says, if you just throw me in, then it'll calm down. And So they, what do they do? They start rowing and rowing. And they try to row to land. They're working. And they want to be held innocent of Jonah's blood. But it's no use. As they were rowing, the storm just got heavier and heavier, and, and finally they, they decided, Oh Lord, oh Lord, don't count us guilty of this man's blood. And they picked up Jonah, and they hurled him again. They hurled him into the sea. What happens? The sea was calm. It would be, became like glass. One moment it was raging. They throw him in, and it just calms completely down. And the men feared the Lord exceedingly. Before they were afraid of the storm, they feared with a great fear. They were exceedingly afraid of this storm. Yet, whenever they throw Jonah overboard and everything calms down, they fear with a great fear again, but it's no longer the storm. They're now fearing the Lord. They offer a sacrifice to the Lord. This is what we see in this story so far. I'm going to break this down. Each week we'll go through a chapter as we, we, we'll spend the next four weeks going through the book of Jonah. I want to point a few things out. One is that, that parallel between Jonah and Jesus. Where Amy read the passage of Jesus stilling the storm. And where was Jesus when this storm was raging and all the people were wondering if they were going to make it? Jesus was down asleep in the bottom of the boat. I think when we read the story about Jesus, if we're familiar with the rest of the Bible, when we read this story about Jesus, we should think about the story of Jonah. I think that's a cue tipping us off when we read Jesus about how he was asleep down in the bottom of this boat. He was just like Jonah, except he was a greater Jonah. Jonah, as he was asleep, he shouldn't have been asleep. He should have been troubled. He should have lost his sleep because he was sinning against God. His conscience should have bothered him. 
Yet he was fast asleep, dead to the world, dead to his own conscience. Jesus, on the other hand, was a greater Jonah. Jesus was completely innocent, and he could sleep with a clear conscience like none of us can. The other similarity here, what happens when the storm is calmed? The people all feared with a great fear. Jonah was thrown overboard. The storm calmed immediately and they all feared. When Jesus, He just spoke. He didn't have to be thrown overboard like Jonah was. He just spoke. And the storm calmed and the sea was just as smooth as glass. And the disciples feared with a great fear. They feared the Lord, just like these sailors in the story of Jonah. Jesus was a greater Jonah. And in fact, we see from this story, who was it that hurled the storm out onto the sea? And who was it that stopped the storm? It was the Lord. And it was the same Lord that many years later was standing in the boat with His disciples. And He spoke to the sea and it calmed down. It was the same Lord. When Jesus did that, when He calmed the sea, He was showing everybody around that He had the power of the same God that calmed the sea for Jonah. So a couple of things we need to see from this text. First of all, God is in control. Look at all the things that God was doing. God was the one who hurled the, the, the uh, wind and the storm out onto the sea. God was the one who sent a message to Jonah for him to go and proclaim. God was the one who calmed the sea. God was in control, and He was in control over nature. He he was in control over the dice when they cast lots and appointed to Jonah. It wasn't some other territorial deity that was giving them this information, but it was the Lord alone who, who pointed out that it was Jonah's fault that this was happening. Another thing we should see is we can't run from God. Everything we do is before His presence. He is everywhere. You can think of Him sitting up in heaven and looking down and watching us what we do, and He sees everything that we do. But it's even more intimate than that, because He is present with us everywhere. God is omnipresent. You can look, think of the psalmist who says, where can I flee from your presence? If I go to Sheol, you are there. If I go to the highest mountain, you are there. The Lord is everywhere. And He sees everything we do. Every little careless word that we breathe. Every little white lie that we might tell. Every little thought that we think that nobody else sees. God sees those things. And we can't run from God. 
God, He has a way of getting us. We'll see these other chapters. God gives Jonah a second chance. He prepares a fish. That fish swallows Jonah. And Jonah gets to go preach and carry out what God had called him to do. Jonah gets a second chance. And while we stand in before God and He sees everything that we do, He is a God of second chances and third and fourth and fifth and 490th. And He asks us the same thing that He asked Nineveh. Repent of our sins. He asks of us the same thing that He asks of Jonah. Turn. Do things my way. In the words of Johnny Cash's song, God's going to cut you down. You can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time, sooner or later, God will cut you down. And we can run on for a long time, but sooner or later, God will find us. We can turn, we can be made right with God by faith in Jesus We can stand before Him as He is our judge one day. But sooner or later, God will have us right where He wants us. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. Facebook.